You're listening to the sermon podcast by Southside Baptist Church in Florence, South Carolina. We exist to know God and to make Jesus known. For more up-to-date information, check us out at southsidenow.church. Every child, every nation, every day. That's what we do at CEF. I'm so stoked to be here this morning. Um, I'm very excited. I'm very passionate about what we do at Good News Clubs. Uh, I actually direct five counties, Florence, Darlington, Dillon, Chesterfield, and Marlboro counties, and I love to get an opportunity today to share this ministry with you. Um, I saw a bunch of familiar faces today. I saw a lot of people that I do know, and I'm thankful for each of you. Uh, I I did meet Josh several months ago, and man, that that guy can eat. (laughs) Y'all got a keeper. I heard his passion, though, and his, uh, his, his vision for this church, and Uh, I have a background, many 20 plus years in youth ministry, so I think we kind of connected right away, and I have a heart for youth ministry, and so you guys got a keeper in him, and I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here with you today. But on a personal level, this church means a lot to me personally, and I was speaking with Buddy and others earlier, and my little brother Anthony Pruitt called this his church home for many, many years, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart for loving on him. Y'all even had a committee of people that would go pick up Anthony and, and bring him to church. And I know what kind of challenges that was. You know, he was my little brother. Uh, I loved him. He went to heaven on April 21st, 2022. But the doctors told mom and dad he wouldn't live to be eight years old. Well, the doctors don't know everything. Amen. <laughs> and we used to have conversations about this church. And he would tell me a lot about you guys. And uh, your former pastor before, the one before, Jim, uh, Jim and I knew each other, and, and Jim would always call me uglier than him. That's what he called me. I mean, and Anthony loved this church. You know, he, I'm his, I was his big brother. I was honored to be that. Um, but he was very fiercely independent if you knew him. And he wanted to be in his own church, in his own church. Have, he didn't want to be riding on his brother's coattails or anything like that. He made sure I was aware of that. But thank you all so much for the way that you ministered to him. I really appreciate that. Um, Josh, uh, we, we had lunch that day. He said, well, what about November the 26th? So here we are today. I'm glad to be here. I'll try not to keep you guys too long. Uh, he said I didn't have to wear a tie, but CEF policy, we're kind of old school, so y'all disregard, my, don't mind the tie, but I knew it was going to be live streamed. <laughs> I, I knew it was going to be live streamed, and I like my job, okay? So I had to, I had to wear the tie today. But seriously, Southside Baptist Church, you guys are awesome. I appreciate very much that I, we have a partnership in the gospel, how this church invests into the lives of children, uh, how you partner financially with CEF. When you hear me say CEF, it's Child Evangelism Fellowship. Um, you guys, for many years, did a good news club. Uh, I was on the front lines with some of your folks there at Wallace Gregg Elementary School for many years. Uh, you guys give and you pray for us and you're so faithful. We're so thankful for the partnership that we have in the gospel. And listen, I know I've seen some spring in your step today. I know there's some really exciting things happen. I know your pastor that's coming very well. I've known him since he was in high school. He went to school with my daughter, actually, my oldest daughter. And you know what? This guy has a heart for children, too. And I know that. And I know that you've already see, probably seen that in him. Matter of fact, he's been playing that guitar for a long time over at McLaurin Elementary School, mesmerizing those children every Thursday afternoon. And so I know I'm excited about the things that's going to happen when he gets here. I really am, and I know you are too. Just stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see, we'll see church, what, 
what happens. I'm going to put the, uh, the mission statement up right there if we get it up. This is what CEF stands for. He's so good. God is so good. He has sustained this ministry for some 85 plus years based out in Warrington, Missouri. The oldest ministry, uh, largest ministry of movement to children in all the world today. And we exist to evangelize boys and girls with the gospel. You know, I get, I, people say that about CEF all the time. They're great, but they got an agenda. But to me, that's a compliment because, yes, we do have an agenda. We want to evangelize boys and girls, first and foremost, with the gospel that changes everything. The gospel changes everything. Then we want to disciple them into the word of God. We want to get them into this book. And then we try to establish them into the local church for Christian living. And that's what we do every day at CEF. And we'll continue to do that, that mission, until Jesus comes back to claim his bride, the church. We're the remnant. Amen? We're the remnant. The church is the remnant. There'll always be a remnant. Uh, that's good news, Southside Baptist Church. That's really good news. And we think uh, that's the best news ever, the greatest story ever told. Y'all were singing about it just a few minutes ago. Emmanuel, God with us. So we'll do this this ministry and this work until Jesus comes back, uh, we win either way. I'm finally, for once in my life, I'm a Gamecock fan, so congratulations, Clemson fans. You guys won fair and square. Um, but I'm finally on the winning team, right? I'm on the team of Jesus Christ, and we can, we can agree with that today. We, we win either way, so we give him all the glory for that. So some of you are familiar with the work of CEF and Good News Clubs and five-day clubs, and some of you are not. Uh, but I want to watch you, you watch two really short videos that will give you a local look first into the Good News Clubs here around Florence and surrounding counties. And then they'll have a real brief uh, global video before we move on. If y'all show them two videos real quick. This is John. He's 21. He's never met Jesus. It's possible he never will. He's already formed his beliefs. His heart is hard. He no longer believes God is good. He's not alone. You can share the gospel with them, and you should, but according to George Barna, what you believe by the time you are 13 is what you will die believing. After the age of 19, someone's probability of accepting Christ drops to just 6%, leaving John on a path to a Christless eternity. How do you change his future? Let's go back in time to when John was a child. He never went to church. His mom doesn't trust them. So let's find his public school and establish a Bible club down the hall. There, someone introduces him to Jesus, who takes his life in a new direction. John's so excited, he tells his friends, one of them comes to Christ. His mother sees the change in his life. When he asks to go to church, she comes too. And she comes to Christ. And it all began in a public school good news club. But where did that club come from? Let's go back in time again. This is Jane's second year with Child Evangelism Fellowship. CEF trained her, created the materials to equip her and her team as they teach, and helps her raise support to work with children full-time. Jane is not alone. Her church partners with CEF to host and staff Good News Clubs in two other schools. And around the world, hundreds of thousands of Christians do the same, evangelizing children, discipling them, and establishing them in local churches. As God transforms children's lives in Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and around the world, 
making the appointments and adjustments to bring the right person into the right life at the right time. Some he calls his children, some as adults, but for each he changes the line of their lives forever, threading them into a beautiful tapestry. This is his work, but he invites us to be his agents, to join him in taking the gospel to every child, every nation, every day, because today is someone's future. And this is how you change the future. Hope. The children of all people need that hope. And that's what we teach them in Good News Clubs every day. I, these stories that you just heard, uh, I, they repeat themselves over and over again. I see it uh, from different churches and different schools all the time. The hope that the children, you know, they, they don't care much about my knowledge of theology and doctrine, children I'm talking about. But what they do know and care about is that there's hope out there. And that's what we try to teach them in Good News Club. That's who we are, hope for the children. You know, I, you, you may be a note taker, you may not, uh, but I'm going to talk for just a few minutes about that hope and where it comes from. But if there was a title, it would be that God's Word Shouts Child Evangelism. It really does. I've had to write so many papers over the years about the defense of child evangelism. God's word is full in the Old Testament and the New Testament of challenges and commands and suggestions for us from God on why we should be after the children. Now that sounds kind of creepy, but I tell the children all the time, I love you, not in a creepy way. We just, we just want you to know that Jesus loves you, right? So just for today and for the time that I have, we're going to camp out in one Old Testament text and one New Testament text. And first of all, we're going to start in Psalm 78. It's one of my favorites. And if you will follow there, Psalm 78, I'm going to read eight verses in Psalm 78. And if you're able to, would you stand as I read God's word in honor of his word today? Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8, says this. It's Asaph speaking as the psalmist here. God's kindness to a rebellious Israel. And thank God that he's kind to a rebellious USA today. Amen. Uh, listen to what the word says here. It says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. Verse 4, we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. Verse 7, that they may set their hope in God. Verse 7, they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be stubborn like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. May God bless the reading of his word and give us understanding as we go into it today together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Help us, Lord, as the church, Lord, to be the church, not just here, but, Lord, out there where you need us to be the church, Lord God. And we just thank you for this time together and help us, Lord God. And we give you praise and glory and honor that somebody loved, somebody loved us enough to tell us about you. Help us to be bold in our witness. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. Uh, Psalm 78, man. Um, so much in here, uh, just today, uh, 
May God help us to understand the importance of this as we get through it today. So uh, in this text, Psalm 78, basically we're being challenged to reach and teach the next generation. So right, right away in verse here, the psalmist says this, listen to me. It's almost like he's sharing his mission statement there, just like we did a few minutes ago on the screen. It's almost like he's giving Israel a mission purpose statement. So we exist so is what he's saying. Incline your ears, he says. One can almost sense the urgency of the psalmist as he speaks. He says, give ear. Listen to me. Look at me. My daughter, Kelsey, I know y'all don't, don't, can't tell it, but I'm really old now. I'm, I'm, I'm right at 60 years old. My daughter, Kelsey, my youngest daughter, she's 33 now. When she was little, you know, I'm like a typical man coming home from work or, you know, I got my mind focused on just getting rest and putting my feet up and get me something nice to drink. And, and she's, she's had a day, right? She's coming up to me and she's saying, Daddy, Daddy, I want to tell you something. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there. You ever, you ever felt like that? You know, just, and then all of a sudden she comes up to me. She wants to get my attention. So she grabs me by the cheeks and she says, Daddy, Daddy, look at me. That's what she did. It's almost like, and I did, by the way, because she got my attention. That's what the psalmist Asaph is almost like he's having to do to the people here to get their attention. Are we really paying attention? Church, are we paying attention to the children? Do we hear what God is calling us to at Southside Baptist Church? I hope and pray that we do. Do we see what is going on in and around us in this culture? For the, so the first suggestion here is listen to what God is telling us today. Second thing he's telling us in this text, I believe, is he wants us to tell the next generation. Verses 2 through 4, we see it in this text. Well, what do we tell them? We tell them of the glorious deeds of the Lord. Amen? The glorious deeds of the Lord. We tell them the mightiness of our God. We tell the children our God is a mighty God. He's not just some character that you read about in a book that they're being told is irrelevant anymore. We want to tell our people and people in our path and our sphere of influence how mighty our God is, the wonders that he has done. Be in awe of him. Have we lost our sense of awe and wonder of who he is? If we have, never lose that sense of wonder and awe of who he is and what he's done. I read a quote even this week as I was preparing to come to speak, speak with you today by John Watson, and he said this. He said, where there is no awe, there will be little worship. Don't, never lose your awe of God and the things that he's done. Share your story. It's uniquely you and your story, and somebody out there needs to hear your story. Uh, have we forgotten the things that he's done for us? Hadn't he been good? Hadn't God been good to us? Share that with the children and the people that, you, that are in your sphere of influence. And should we not be telling the children of all things, of all people? You know, I was, I, my home church is Greenwood Baptist Church. And last Sunday, we were, our, we were being ch challenged as the church to be good, hopeful people. We of all people ought to be hopeful, the church. Uh, we know what, what the end result is. We've read the last page. So share your story. Shouldn't we be telling the children? The third suggestion is pass it on down again to the next generations. Verses 5 and 6 here. They'll pass the message on and teach and reach their own children. So real quickly, I want you to close your eyes with me. Just humor me for one second. I want you to pause and thank God for somebody shared their, his story, God's story with you. And just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. For me, it was 12 years old when I went to a summer camp. Um... As a, as a child, uh, 12 years old, and I really went because I was kind of sweet on the pastor's daughter. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I got so much more than that. I mean, the last day, I clearly remember running down the aisle and giving my life to Christ at 12 years old. Best decision I ever made in my life, church. 
You know, the best decision I ever made in my life. Now, I fail miserably a lot, but I'm just so thankful that I made that choice to follow Christ. Arguably, there's never been a more important time than we in this current cl climate and culture that we're in now. I'm in the schools all the time. Uh, I see a lot of things happening, and children are going through so much that I never even thought about when I was their age. It never even crossed my mind. So we need to wake up a sleeping giant, and that's the church. We need to wake up the sleeping giant of the church. We're an army of the living God. It's high, high time that we do something together. And matter of fact, one of the last things that Jesus did is he, he gave us not a suggestion, but a commandment. And uh, the, the great commission was not the great suggestion. It was the great commandment, right? He said this in uh, Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain, which Jesus had, had appointed for them. And when he saw him... When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted, some still doubt today. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, love, live, serve, and give. Trust him and go. Um, you ain't, we, we got to go together when we leave here today. We need to go out and try to reach people for Jesus, and, and that includes the, the children, right? Um, never forget the glorious works of our Lord. The fourth uh, suggestion from the Psalm 78 text, verse 7 here. The glorious works of the Lord. You talk about hope, man. Our hope and our help are in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124.8, one of my favorite psalms. And so our hope is in him. Always remember what he has done for us through Christ Jesus. Never forget um, that hope that we, that we have in our lives because of Christ and what God's plan. Keep his commands as best you can. Uh, seek holiness today. Psalm 99, 1 Peter 1, 16. Isaiah 6 talks about holiness of God. We should seek holiness because he's holy. Strive to live a life that pleases him in spite of what everybody else is doing around you. Uh, be separate, be sanctified, be set apart, be the church. Love, live, serve, and give until he comes back for the bride, until he returns for her. So, and then the fifth suggestion from Psalm 78 is don't be stubborn like your daddies. My daddy uh, died on June the 1st, 2017. He was my best friend. I miss him every day. But man, that man was stubborn. And I tell, my mama tells me I'm just like him, so I guess I, I would be considered stubborn too. So the psalmist is telling him, uh, don't be like your daddies, a stubborn and rebellious generation that didn't listen, we all need to listen. We need to follow what God's trying to tell us to do through others. Don't make excuses. When Landon gets here, don't say that's the pastor's job or that's Joshua's job or that's the music leader's job. It's all of our job. If we are a Christ follower or one who, I don't even like to say Christian anymore. If we are one who follows Christ, we all should be out there sharing the gospel. All of us. Um, you know, and I fail too, so but we, just, we need to tell your story, live it out. Uh, ask God for a steadfast heart and a faithful spirit, and he'll give it to you. If you have those things, guess what? If you have a steadfast heart and a faithful spirit, you'll have to sit on your hands and keep from waving at people when they walk by you. And that's what I tell people all the time. Man, if I had more, I love Adrian Rogers. I don't know if there's anybody in here that listens to, reads Adrian, I see some, yeah. I'll read him about every day, and this is what he says about faith and hope. He says, the faith that fizzles before the finish was flawed from the first. Did you catch that? The faith that fizzles before the finish 
was flawed from the first. So maybe you're not as, uh, uh, maybe you're not really sharing your faith. Maybe you feel like you, uh, you're in a, like a little valley or something with your faith. Ask God to renew a steadfast spirit in you, and he will. He'll do that for you. Man, if I had more time, I could read a ton of Old Testament scriptures about the defense of child evangelism. But real quick, for the next few minutes, before I close, we're going to move over into Matthew so I can give you one of the old school, uh, Old Testament uh, passages that defend child evangelism. And then the New Testament, we're going to move over to Matthew chapter 18, 1 through 6. And you don't have to stand again, but I'm going to read this text and then we'll break it down real quickly and close with some numbers. And this is uh, titled, Who is the Greatest? I love this. Uh, the disciples, those rascally disciples, you know. Uh, who's the greatest? I can see myself, if I was in that, I'd have been doing the same thing. I can identify with Peter because Peter was always my favorite disciple because he was hard-headed and I'm hard-headed, okay? Verse 1 says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Watch what the master teacher does right away in verse 2. Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, Surely I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. And then watch how Jesus warns these rascally disciples in verse 6. Don't miss this. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. And then I go down to verse 10. He says, take heed, again, another warning, that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them, 99, goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and, and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more, more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father in heaven that any one of these little ones should perish. To say that Jesus thought that uh, children were important would be a gross misunderstatement. He really did. He, he, you can compare this and three of the four Gospels, this text right here. You can compare this text that I just read with Mark chapter 9, verses 33, 37, Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 17, and again in Matthew 19. Jesus wants the children to come to him, period. He wants them, even the little children. So the situation in this text, the disciples, oh, those rascally disciples, they ask the Lord Jesus, the master teacher, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, he answers it in two parts. He talks about the requirements to enter into the kingdom, and he talks about the requirements to be the greatest in the kingdom. So notice here, don't miss this, church. Verse 2, he takes a child. The Greek word here is pateon, or little child, or a child that's probably under the age of seven. A child that he could take up into his arms. And look what he says. He teaches these guys. Verse 3. God's requirements, humility and salvation. That's it. Humility and salvation. It's not, a con, it's not a complicated process. And Jesus is trying to tell them because they think they know it all, just like we think we know it all sometimes, and we don't. God's requirements are humility and salvation. He says, except ye be converted and become as little children. And then we have a quote by Spurgeon that we use, if you'll put it up there for me. I love this quote because it's a, it's a teaching point for us, just as it was for them. Perhaps the disciples thought and reasoned among themselves, the child can't come to the master. 
because he isn't like a man. The blessed Savior thinks differently and says, don't say that the child can't come until he is like a man, but you know that you cannot come until you are like the child. There's no difficulty in the child becoming like you. The difficulty is that uh, you're not like the child. Jesus, the master teacher, is telling us God's requirements to, to be the greatest in the kingdom, whoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child. And then verse 6, Christ furthers his teachings to the disciples by giving them a stern warning. And I'll read verse 6 again because it is so important. He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Sobering, sobering reminder to us, when I say us, uh, CEF workers, out in Warrington, Missouri, there's a uh, rotunda there. I was just out there at the height of the pandemic. Uh, if you'll put that, there you go. That, that's the CEF headquarters in Warrington, Missouri. It's about 70 miles west of St. Louis. And I was there for about two weeks, and then the pandemic shut everything down, and they sent me home. This is, that's the millstone at the rotunda at the, uh, that's a reminder to some 4,000 CEF workers across the globe that we're not to be a stumbling block to any child. And I'm my worst enemy sometimes because children come running to Jesus, and I ask them a thousand questions before I'll lead them to Christ. Anyway, be careful with that, Ron. I'm bad. I'm terrible with that. Which reminds me that, uh, that, that stumbling block. Okay, so verse 10, Christ uh, values children in such a way that he gives the disciples a second warning. Take heed, he says, that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Take heed that you do not despise. You know, a lot of theologians debate this, this verse right here. And I'm not a pastor. I'm more of an evangelist. But uh, their angels, the children, their angels... Some say that this is God's or Jesus' first sanctioning of that every child has a guardian angel right there. I believe there are angels all around us. I really do. I believe it with my whole heart. When I was 10 years old, I sat on my grandmother's lap and she read Psalm 9111 to me, and I still remember it to this day. He will encamp his army of angels around you to watch over you, son, wherever you go. That's what she told me. And that's what Jesus is telling the disciples right here. Maybe this is, this is the... Uh, the first little glimpse or a glimpse into guarding angels. And I don't know about you, but I believe there are guardian angels all around us. It's also interesting to note in this text that in verses 1 through 4, the child is the model. And in verses 5 through 14, the child is the mission field. We have a mission field at every school in Florence District 1. Praise God, we have church partnerships and every Florence 1 school has a good news club. But we have so many other clubs and, and counties that need good news clubs. Uh, pray for Marlboro County, Dillon County. If you know people or churches, we're looking for churches and volunteers in those areas. Chesterfield County, uh, we're, we're doing pretty good there. Uh, Dillon County, Lower Florence County, we're trying to get into all the schools. That's what we're trying to do. And just in case, as I'm fixing to close in just a minute, we have any doubts that children can come to Jesus. Just in case, some do. I don't argue with pastors. I don't argue with children's ministers. Usually, I, usually if there is a, a, some doubt about whether children can come to Christ, I just simply say this. You may doubt a child's ability to communicate with a holy God. I get that. You may doubt that. But do you honestly tell me that you doubt God's ability to communicate with the child? That usually ends it all right there. Okay, I don't care how, how knowledgeable you are in scriptures, and there's a lot of people that are a whole lot more knowledgeable than me, but God can communicate with children. He does it through his people. And through his word, we just have to take the word in there. 
and share it and trust God for the results. And then we get this little gem of a verse in 14 that's basically the backbone of CEF. And it's why Jesse Irvin Overholzer, Dr. O as we call him, started CEF uh, in 1937. It says, so it's not the will of our Father in heaven that any one of these little ones should perish. So, our Lord loves the children. It's not his will that any of them should perish. We must go fishing, fish, we must go fishing where the fish are. That's what I tell people all the time. Where are they at? They're in the schools. Man, some crazy creatures in those schools, right? Little kids, right? They're there. We got to go. So, uh, if you'll flip to the next screen, um, this is some low, uh, global numbers. I, I showed you a global video, and I hear that all the time. There's a lot of kids that will never go to church because their parents don't trust churches. That's a sad indictment on me and us and on the church. I love the church. I'm a product of the church, but we're failing miserably as a church to reach the children. Look at these numbers right here. And I know I'm not into numbers, but you can look at that. You can break them down to the state numbers. There's 11 chapters across the state of CEF. We all work together. We meet together. We plan together. We calendar together because we all have the same goals. We want to reach kids in the schools. We glean off of each other things that are working in you know, the public schools, things that are not working. But if you look at the local numbers there, and these are going to be updated because our calendar year runs from September the 1st through August the 30th every year, our calendar does. And so we had 176 uh, dis uh, decisions for Christ just in Florence and Darlington and Dillon County, Chesterfield and Marlboro counties in that calendar year right there. So God is doing a whole lot. And I've never seen kids more hungry for the gospel than they are right now. And so it's very critical for us to be in the schools. And so what can you do? Move over to the next one there. This, this is, this is, uh, these are our summer missionaries, and I've talked to Josh, my ministry coordinator. She's out on maternity leave right now. But we come to this church every summer and do daycare. We do five-day clubs. This is our summer ministry when there's no school going on. We're anywhere where kids are. So we're looking for kids, you know, anywhere from 12 to college age that may sense a call to missions. And we bring these kids to CIU, Columbia International University, for a week, and we train them. And the first thing I tell our people that are hiring these missionaries is tell them it's not easy. It's hard work. But we're looking for people who will be able to carry on. God might be calling them to some type of mission field. They know that. And then they get in here. I wish you could hear from some of these young people. Uh, but they lead children to Christ. They have to pass practicums like they're in college. They have to pass a practicum on how to share a memory verse with a child. They have to pass a practicum on how to lead a child to Christ. They have to pass a practicum on sharing a Bible lesson with the complete gospel elements in it over six, seven days. And it's intense. But the rewards, if you know any of those kids on that screen, these are all local kids, Hartsville, Florence, right around here. If you know any of them, ask them about it. They'll tell you how, much, how rewarding the ministry is. And then the next picture will show you our staff. Well, th this is the kids that they reached this past summer. Just this summer when they were, uh, they were here one week at Southside over at your daycare. But uh, these kids led 34 kids to Christ. Go God, right? Uh, 20 locations. They gave up their whole summer. While most people are at the beach or in the mountains or you know, going on mission trips or doing good things, these kids were working and leading children to Christ. So I'm very, I'm very thankful for them. So... Uh, what can you do to partner with us? Let's move on to the next one. This is my staff here, Hannah on the left. She just had a baby. Everybody go, ah. Yeah, she did. She just had a baby, her and her husband, um, Marcus, and uh, she'll be out until mid-January. And your Josh is fixing to have, y'all's fixing to have a baby too. So everybody go, ah, there too. That's good. <laughs> And Sarah on the right is my ministry coordinator, and it all, everything depends up in Chesterfield County, and she's done a phenomenal job up there, and 
she's a mover and a shaker up in that area, uh, and she's, uh, she's been a wonderful uh, addition to our staff. So it all depends on giving. You know, we depend on churches and individuals and businessmen and women and uh, putting us in their budgets like Southside Baptist Church has done, and I really, really thank Josh and you guys for that. Uh, what can you do to partner with us? You can pray for us. Please pray for us. You can go on our website. There's a prayer calendar on there. Every day we pray for schools where we do have a good news club, and every day we pray for schools where we don't have a good news club, and you can see that calendar on our website. You can give financially to the work that we do. Uh, you can join us. We're looking for committee members. I work with 10 committee, mem committee members. We meet once a month, and we plan and calendar, and we pray, and um, you know, God just does an amazing work. You can serve in a Good News Club. You can visit a Good News Club. Uh, we got Christmas clubs coming up in a few weeks. We'll have, um, I think we got about 13, 14 Christmas clubs where those same missionaries will come back because they're out of school and we'll do Christmas clubs in the next few weeks anywhere where kids are. YMCAs, boys and girls clubs, daycares, apartment complexes, wherever kids are, that's where we'll be. Uh, just pray for us. You can tell somebody in your sphere of influence about what you've heard today. There's plenty of opportunities, and I'm going to ask the band to come on up, and we're going to go ahead and, and uh, wind down here, and I'm going to pray in a minute. There's plenty of opportunities in Marlboro, Dillon, Darlington, Lower Florence counties. Uh, you can go to www.heartofthepalmetto.org. Uh, you can call me. I'm going to be at a table out front as you exit the building today. There's ministry uh, promotional materials out there. Feel free to take those. Um, Look at them, ask questions, visit the website. Um, I'll stick around for a few minutes. I think we're going to have an altar call in just a minute. And Josh is going to be down front. And maybe, maybe you've lost your passion. Maybe God has spoke to you today. And he's saying, you know what? It's, there's a new year coming up. I know I'm not into New Year's resolutions and all that stuff. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't. But maybe God has just said today that I'm calling you out because I want you to reach people for Christ in 2024 and then maybe even this Christmas maybe you like me and you got family members that you know and hurt for me some very close to me very very close to me that I knew grew up in church and maybe now that you just want to pray for them maybe you come down to the altar and pray for somebody that you love maybe you've never really given your heart to Jesus maybe you're like some others and you know all the answers but you've never really given your heart to Jesus you can do that today right here at Southside Baptist Church. Maybe you have given your heart to Jesus and you know that you're not doing what he's called you to do. All you got to do is say, Lord, help me. He's such a good God. He's such a good Father. He's here for whatever your need is today. I just thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Josh. And uh, Whatever decision God is asking for you to make, make it now. Don't wait. And I'm going to pray and then we'll close. God, we love you.